here we are. This is Sex Love Psychedelics, and I'm your host, Dr. Kat. Bringing you psychosexual conversations that will leave you intellectually turned on and hungry for more. Hey, lovers. Some of you have caught my erotically wasted podcast that I started at the beginning of the pandemic. And if you haven't, please be my guest and pleasure yourself to it. All of it. (laughs) It was such a passion project of mine to start as a way to really nurture my eroticism and nurture my turn on. And I really believe that art is such a powerful medium through which we can inspire, we can be inspired, uh, we can express ourselves, and we can really grow ourselves. So today's conversation, I'm so excited to share with you because the potency of the information and the real talk about being an erotic artist and educator is so powerful. The author of the very popular Tales of Laura is here to share with us the inside scoop of her process in writing erotica, where she's gotten her inspiration, and how she sees her work as a fight against the patriarchal and social expectations around sex and dating, as well as how this practice of erotic writing changed her love life. And if you want to not only be turned on, but given drip-worthy reference points of an empowered erotic life, this episode is for you and for your best friend and for your neighbor down the hall. (laughs) Honestly, there's rarely a person that I know who had an upbringing that was sex positive. Many of us grew up with sex negative messages uh, and shame, and some of us are still dealing with the after effects of that. Uh, It's really caused inhibition in our sexual expression. Uh, It creates a complicated relationship around sex. And as we get into the discussion today, you might actually hear yourself or your upbringing in our shares, in our personal shares. So trauma, religious sexual shame, abstinence-only sex education, or functional (laughs) sex education without an emphasis on pleasure. Uh, body image issues, slut shaming for really enjoying sex for sex. And this is really unfortunate because having a pleasure-filled, satisfying sex life is not only important, from my perspective, it's our birthright. So with all these layers of conditioning, it's going to take some work to untangle. I've spent the last 15 years doing exactly this from trauma and being completely shut down sexually to becoming multi-orgasmic, kinky as fuck, and just really having the best sex that I would want myself personally to have. And that's why my Erotically Undone six-week course is all about. It incorporates the tips and skills that unlocked my body my mind and pussy in order to become a fully expressed and so sexually satiated. It's my favorite course that I've created to date, and it's now available for you to take at your own pace. Good sex and cultivating those skills takes time and it takes devotion. We don't want to rush our orgasms. We don't want to rush our sex. We don't want to rush our pleasure and neither should we rush our education. 
So I'm just gonna leave the link here in the bio for you to check out. Now to Laura, who is the creator of the online platform and erotic poetry book, Tales of Laura. She's also the host of the podcast, Pussy Church. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited about this conversation. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I've been wanting to have a conversation with an erotic artist for a while, and you're literally the yeah. perfect person to have this with. Oh, thank I, you. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I personally have been a painter and a writer since I was just like a little baby. And I believe that art, music, poetry is definitely a massive medicine for our, you know, for our, for our emotions, for our evolution. And I think it's such a, an amazing way to be able to express complex human emotions um, give us a way yes. to be able to express our inner experiences that we might not otherwise have words for. And in the case of erotica, I see this as mm, sexual education through inspiration. <laughs> oh, nice. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. And even reading your work has really, uh, to me, it's like, yeah, you're giving people not only permission, but reference points of what sex could look like. Oh, I love that. <laughs> now I'm just like, I love you explaining my work. <laughs> but really, I mean, yeah. we, you know, these images that we get in society around, uh, you know, being the puritanical uh, conversation, you know, this um, don't be too easy. Don't be a slut. Don't. And you're here and you're like, I'm in France and I'm fucking this guy and he's going down <laughs> on me. And I'm like, yes. That's what we need. That's what I didn't get in grade school. <laughs> oh, definitely. And you also don't get it in porn. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think that's basically not really why I started writing erotica, but I think there's something to be said about, um, a female perspective that we so rarely get to see. And, um, so rarely, I feel like we, or women see themselves as the protagonist in their own sexuality. So that was kind of the inspiration for writing erotica. Yeah, and, and you're to do it, it from a different point of view, I guess. From a different point of view, and from the the uh, female lens, right? Because there's for this, sure, yes, yeah. There's this battle that we have both inside ourselves and in in culture around, uh, you know, don't be promiscuous or don't have several lovers or be be uh, conscious about who you who you date and you know. Okay, be conscious about who you're dating. <laughs> but there's also this like power and this liberation in the way that you um, express and um, engage sexually. There's like such a power, yeah, a power in that. Yeah, it's important to me, I think, to see or to kind of find a way to embrace your own, right? And it all came from me not having gotten a lot of education or a lot of role models, you know? and kind of sitting there being like, what is my sexuality all about? And who am I waiting for to give me permission to live this part of myself, you know? Mm -hmm. And then in the end, right, you just, in the end, we all can only give it to ourselves, but that somehow inspired it. And like you said, society says, don't be a slut, but they also, they also say you do have to fuck, right? <laughs> so, but just do it exactly how they want you to do it, right? Mm -hmm. Get married and do it like that. But nobody's like, 
oh, you should be celibate as a woman because he is still an object of desire constantly, right? Yeah. So be sexy, but not too sexy. Be this, be that. So it gets very complicated if you don't start asking yourself what it means to you and what or how you would like to express it, you know, on, Mm. on your terms. And without the... You know, I mean, we all have that, right? We have the shame, we have the conditioning, we have what society tells us, what our families tell us, our religion. Yeah. But what is it really that it means to you? I mean, it's something you can't really answer in the sense of you can't peel all the layers, right? Because you are who you are. And um, But there is, a, I, I love the effort of kind of finding out, you know, what is it that I need, what I want, Um, where's the power in living my authentic self, I guess, in a Mm. sexual aspect and really translates into into everything. Right. But um, in in my work, mainly it's, (laughs) it starts with sex at least. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Me too. (laughs) And and even the journey for myself and I, and uh, as a professional, but truly, I think this can be the, um, you know, the journey of so many professionals to be a doctor in academia mm-hmm. and an yeah. outwardly erotically expressed person, let alone like an, an artist of, of eroticism myself. But it's like, how many times we're told to segment these parts of ourselves? You know, if you're yeah. a sensual woman, you, you uh, if you want to be taken seriously in the work world, you can't express yourself centrally. Or if you want to be um, yes. you know, an upstanding citizen in society or whatever, <laughs> or a Seriously. politician or whatever, <laughs> like cut off your sexuality. Like you can't express it. You can't dress it. You can't talk about yourself as a sexual being. And that's, I see it as perpetuating this disempowerment of ourselves, but really, like you were saying, um, we cut off our authentic expression. Like how is that impacting? Uh, yeah. Our authenticity. Yes. And I think as women, especially, and listen, obviously there's varied experiences. And I mean, I talk about my own, right. So saying as woman or as a, as a woman, um, there's a specific experience for me that looks different for another woman. But I think since we do live in, you know, in patriarchy, we get assigned roles and they, those roles really are to serve hierarchy that doesn't have a woman at the top right so (laughs) it's difficult because you want to play the game so you can be part you can have any part in this society right but what what if you take back and I mean wait I'm gonna say this again if you take back your power people will kind of they'll fight against it you know and so it is really a difficult it's a difficult place to be in you kind of have to not give a fuck. I mean, I think (laughs) (laughs) at at one point, you know, because when you're trying to please so many people and so many aspects of society and stuff, but it's not an easy way to go. to understand people trying to separate different parts of themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because being outwardly sexual and embracing it, it's, it's wonderful work and it's so needed, but some people can't afford to do it either. Right. It's so strange. Can't afford it. God, on so many levels, you know, it's not even just like the work world and the, the, the professional world and being taken seriously, but also, um, you know, for me and, and I'm very curious about you, uh, you know, you publish these erotic, uh, erotic stories 
for me as a sex educator and erotic um, artist, the DMs and the, even the voicemails that mm. I get are sometimes of, of people masturbating or of people, um, you know, it's yeah. like, you're also, <laughs> you're also open. There's, there's that coming at you as well. So it's, there's, there's many layers. And I think it's so important for each of us, uh, to be able to really take care of ourselves. Like self-care is super important, but also yes, to be able to boundaries. tune into yeah. boundaries. And then even asking that question, like how much are we available um, to be able to mm. hold, you know, emotionally hold what's our emotional threshold and how are we supporting ourselves in that? Um, yeah, I agree. I think it's so difficult because as soon as you put out that you're a sexual being, right. Mm-hmm. It's perceived as you want to give it to everybody. Like it's not yeah. the same thing, right? It's, it's your expression of it the way you decide to do it. And it doesn't mean just because you say, well, sexuality is a big part of my life and who I am doesn't mean that you want to have sex with that, you know, with the person that is (laughs) looking at your Instagram post. I mean, it's wild. I mean, when I started writing erotica, I think, and publishing it online, really, I think that was the point where a lot of my friends were like, you know, be careful. It's going to go crazy. People will say horrible things to you. Um, I have to say it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be because I got really scared in the beginning. I was like, oh, this is going to be a shit show. <laughs> but I think because of message requests and blurred dick pics, you know, I yeah. feel kind of okay, you know, because I just really pick out people who want to connect on a bit of a deeper level, people who want to talk about sexuality, about issues that they're having, because it it went so far, you know, from like writing erotica to having a podcast where we did a lot of questions and answers and I speak with a lot of therapists and artists and everything. And so people or listeners bring in a lot of questions and these conversations are also online. And I really value them because that's such, such um, a different approach, right? If somebody comes to you and it's like, Hey, uh, I have an issue. I'm, you know, I'm ashamed of my sexuality. It's different than like, Hey, you want to fuck me? Yeah. <laughs> we can have so many different conversations about the same thing. Really. <laughs> And respect, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, respect. Yes, definitely. But in your also, it's, it's almost like we're opening ourselves and expressing ourselves in this way. And and it's, uh, there's so much hunger and starvation in our culture that people are looking for places to, to put their, this, this hunger, this drive, this, Mm -hmm. this, um, you know, missing, missing piece. And I think now, as we're shifting the culture and as we're educating more and as we're creating more opportunity for people to um, uh, meet their sexual needs or or learn about their their bodies or heal that part of themselves, I am hoping that they won't feel, it. I mean, this is a big dream, right? Um, that it won't have to come out in, in the shadow ways or in the um, yes. dump, dumping ways or use, uh, use an educator, um, or artist as a receptacle without yeah, consent. I think, yes. Without consent. Totally. <laughs> I think it's so, it's so smart how you said that. I think with the shadow, because I think people feel so ashamed and I think that's what my work mm-hmm. is about, you know, to kind of relieve you of <laughs> your shame, hopefully, um, mm-hmm. to a certain yeah. degree, because that shame makes you want to reach out to a stranger, right? Because that person can't judge you or they might, but you won't know and there's Mm -hmm. no repercussions. So Mm -hmm. you just, like you said, dump 
a desire on somebody who is not actually in relationship with you, right? Yeah. In any kind, not not sexually, not not even in a friendship way, you know? So you're abusing some, you know, someone, something, um, because you haven't come to a place with yourself where you're okay with this desire and where you feel like you can share it with somebody or even share it with yourself, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I wonder. <laughs> I mean, you could just masturbate, right? You wouldn't have to <laughs> DM something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but people are looking. Yeah, people are looking for outlets. They want to talk mm. about it. They want to, and I think in um, God, I'm so curious about you because you have this extra element of um, anonymity. Oh yes, I said the word right. <laughs> anonymity. <laughs> it's a difficult no, one. <laughs> feels <laughs> really great as I taste it in my mouth, but it <laughs> you know, comes out bubbly. Um, the, you know, being a, a, um, an artist online where nobody knows who you are, there's that extra, um, yeah. sense of protection around you. How oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do people, I guess who gets to know that you are the author of Laura? <laughs> ah, that's, Laura. It. <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> well, First of all, I think that actually that being anonymous actually gives people um, a lot more opportunity to see themselves in the stories and also funny enough to share their story, kind of like the same thing I said earlier, because they feel not very judged, you know, I mean, apart from me not being a very judgy person, but but because it's somebody that they don't know. Right. So it's kind of easier to scream it into the void. and. Um, feel held by that. But um, who knows? <laughs> who knows the real me? Um, well, you know, friends, family, partners, you know, yeah. <laughs> partners. I mean, <laughs> depending. Uh, yeah. So it's not like a secret secret within. And, you know, mm-hmm. obviously collaborators, like people I work with, um, photographers yeah. I work with, they all see my face, you know, <laughs> but they're all wonderful people. And they haven't shared my face. So that's, that's so sweet. Yeah. Has do, okay. So do lovers or partners, do they, uh, people that you're dating, do they get to know Mm. that you're the anonymous artist behind Tales of Laura or how does that work for you? Mm, Good question. Um, depends, you know, I mean, uh, when did they find out? We'll say that. (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah. I'm in a relationship now, but, um, let's say, they find out, I think people would find out after, you know, dating me for a little bit, I think. I mean, not too long, you know, but not just, you know, not first date, like, hey, so listen, <laughs> you want to see some naked photos of me? <laughs> <laughs> and here's some on. super <laughs> sexy stories that I've gallivanted yeah. the world around. Like, not to intimidate you or put any pressure exactly. on you and my sexual prowess, but... <laughs> But it's funny, you know, because I think, I mean, obviously, you know, some, some people I've dated have then read my work and I think it's actually given them like, um, motivation. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) yeah. To satisfy me, I think, um, more so than intimidation, but I don't know, maybe, you know, they would have probably have to speak for themselves, but I just felt like the good thing about it is that, um, the conversation about sex is on the table immediately, right? So it makes it so much easier, I think, even for, 
you know, partners to be like, oh shit, I can talk about sex very openly with this person. And so therefore um, it's not as scary to be like, oh, I like this. I don't like this. What do you like? So there's, there's that, that it definitely helps with, I guess, in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because there is a taboo or there is a, you know, this, this undercurrent in our society of don't talk about sex or that's um, awkward to talk about sex or it's inappropriate to talk talk about it too soon. And we really, we live in a world with a lot of rules, (laughs) a lot of Mm, dating rules, especially I was reading an article. (laughs) It is. And I was reading this article recently about uh, the concept of the three date rule so that we don't come across oh, yeah. as, and, and I get it. It's like a protective mechanism for us. So we don't come across as too eager or too easy or too aggressive. Oh, you mean like not sleep with somebody, right? Until the third yeah. date. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then your, your work is, <laughs> your, your erotica is very sexually liberated. <laughs> it's very, oh, totally. yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't, so, I mean, I don't believe in that rule at all, but Oh God, no, me neither. I hooked up, I fuck on the first date sometimes. Great. I mean, yeah. Or you fuck on the 10th date, you know, whatever you feel is appropriate. I think that's, you know, I think this is a bit of the misunderstanding um, about sexual emancipation, you know, in a sense that I don't think it's about how often and how much and how wild your sex life is, you know, it's about you being in touch with your needs and acting accordingly, right? Mm-hmm. So it's you being empowered in a sense of like, oh, you know, I would love to make love to you right now. Or honestly, I'm not feeling it and I might not be feeling it for a while, you know, whatever that is for you. But mm-hmm. I think that's what the emancipation aspect is, um, what it really is about. Um, in a yeah. Sense. Yeah. Really teaching people authentic discernment for themselves and really tuning yeah. into moment to moment situation to situation. Whereas if we put this rule on us, what if it's not true for us? And, and, uh, you know, I almost see this like self betrayal or self abandonment when we, when we try to live this, this, you know, this rule. (laughs) Yes. And like you said, right. A rule that goes in all directions. There's so many rules you can twist yourself in a pretzel, you know, trying to <laughs> piece everybody around you <laughs> and not in a fun kind, you know, I mean, I feel yeah. like that's the thing when I said earlier, kind of facetiously, you know, to not give a fuck. I mean, more like, you know, you live your life the way you want to live it. And with my work, there is something I think that I felt like was missing. And that was to express my hunger and my desire and this, this real feminine force, you know, that Mm -hmm. I felt within me. And then I felt a bit, I guess, abandoned by society, (laughs) you know, having, Mm -hmm. having these feelings and like, oh, I have no way to express this without being labeled something or without being even maybe fearful of what that would mean about me or something like that. So when I really started exploring these parts of me, it was such a, I mean, you know, I took a very, unusual (laughs) path, I think, to start expressing my sexuality also through my artwork, but it was so liberating, you know, and all I want is to inspire people to live theirs, however that looks like. Ah, Yes. When when did you start writing these? How long ago was that? Um, I think think well I started writing them just for myself actually first so it wasn't really intended to be published for a little bit so probably five years ago I started writing 
Uh Um, just for me, like to turn myself on and like, yeah, because, you know, I couldn't really see myself in like mainstream porn or in any, Mm -hmm. or my desire being pictured or, so I was like, you know, I'm just going to do this because I've been a writer all my life, but I was like, oh, I'm just going to do this for fun. And I've done it. I kind of like fell into it and I was like, oh no, now I've written so much what I'm going to do with this. (laughs) (laughs) And I decided to publish it because I was like, well, maybe, you know, just maybe there's some women out there who feel the same way Um, Mm -hmm. or some men who maybe will appreciate being the object of desire for a change. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really didn't think of men at all, to be honest, until some started following me. (laughs) I really, it wasn't (laughs) the focus of my work at all. I was just like, Oh, maybe there's some, some girls and women out there who, who like me didn't really see themselves, you know, in, in mainstream pop culture depiction of sexuality. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I put it out there. (laughs) And it was a weird moment because, you know, it's very vulnerable and you don't, I mean, being anonymous helped, obviously, I guess to a certain degree with the vulnerability in the sense that it's not your face. Right. And, Mm -hmm. but still, you know, it's my body, it's my voice, it's my art. So yeah, it was interesting. Thank God it worked out, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. It's still very personal. Yeah. And you're you're taking a risk with that. Yeah. That's, that's so interesting. That's how I had started too. I started writing erotica. Um, yeah, to, as a, an erotic nourishment practice to also feel the turn on. And I realized similarly to what you're saying is that, and now I, um, I, I prescribe that to clients and students as a way to help them keep nourishing their yeah their, mm, their I love that. juiciness awesome. in their body yeah so I like have memories of being in the airplane and writing erotic stories and turning myself on so much and I'm like I'm pretty sure half of this plane is turned on right now and they don't even know where it's coming <laughs> from <laughs> it is the force you're welcome <laughs> yeah <laughs> and seriously no it's awesome I think there's something so cool because it's a very powerful you know I mean in a lot of religions and cultures sexual energy is called a life force, you know? Yeah. And there's not just something to it, but that's very true. I think, I mean, clearly very literally. So, right. Because you create new life, um, through it or you can, you there's certain- so much energy in that. There's so much energy in that too. Yeah. And, uh, there's a lot of relationship with the nervous system too. In Tantra, we talk a lot about, you know, the nervous system, how the nervous system, the parasympathetic and sympathetic are related to, uh, you know, our sexuality. And, and so I think the stronger, even just the nervous system, which is, you know, movement of energy in the body, um, you know, our, our erotic and vibrancy are just vibrancy in the body is really strong. So I think, you know, there's some of the science around that, uh, of what you're saying. Yes. I mean, Tantra is a prime example, of course, that's, that's all they do, right? (laughs) All they do. (laughs) (laughs) Working with energy and stuff. Yeah. And I, I talked to like a wonderful Tantra teacher on the podcast too, um, Diana Richardson, and she wrote some amazing books and it's really, it's such an incredible, um, perspective shift, you know? Um, for sexuality and for like coupled sexuality, especially, I would think, well, maybe even personal. It, personal. Yeah. I have like yeah. uh, excuse me, an amazing uh, self-practice. And that's what I did for the <gasps> longest time. That. Yeah. What do you that's do? how I started <laughs> when I was, I was 20, 22, deeply still traumatized around sexuality and started with myself. It's, I love that. 
Yeah, a great way to transmute some of that. So for anyone who's doing this practice for themselves and writing their own erotica, do you have any mm. advice for their process? Totally. Um, I think so. I mean, I think a couple of things. Definitely start with yourself, right? And your fantasy. Um, keep it simple in the beginning. I mean, listen, it can be like in the old Egyptian, you know, the old Egyptians or the Roman Empire, if you want it to <laughs> be said in like some <laughs> fantastical way, you know. Um, but just in itself, you know, you don't have to, especially if it's for yourself, write only what you want to see, mm. right? Mm. Nothing that needs to happen or that you have, you know, the way sex, uh, sex is portrayed normally, just really focus on the things that you would like to see. And if that's something completely strange, you write that, right? Let, yeah. I think that's another tip, like let your freak flag fly. I mean, Ugh. make it as weird as possible if that's, you know, what you never feel like you can express. Um, and have fun. Yeah. Turn yourself on. I mean, listen, I mean, if you need to go and masturbate while you write, you know, that's fine. I mean, anything, if you get to that place, you're doing it right, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Seriously. <Do> you, <laughs> literally. <laughs> do you have any ritual around when you write or like for me, I, I like candles and I, I put a incense and, and some like oh, sexy wow. music in the background. Yeah. Do you and I love do that you do that? I mean, listen, I write so much and I write everywhere. So for me, it's a little less. Um, I mean, depending, you know, if I write evenings, I really like writing like night sessions sometimes. Yeah. Then it's a little bit more romantic, I guess, in that sense, with a glass yeah. of wine or something. But I really write on the subway. I write on my note app. I have a notebook. Sometimes I go to a bar and write. Um, you know, on the bar, mm -hmm. which I really like because I always call that seducing myself to write. Oh, Just to give yourself, God. you know, give yourself a space and a place. If that's candles, I like the bar. It's kind of fun. There's people around and kind of, and it's kind of naughty because nobody knows what I'm doing. You know, you write <laughs> about sex and there's other people around. It gives me kind of like that feeling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Turns the room on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you said, but um, you know, any, that's mainly what it is. And anything that comes to mind to write down immediately, I think, yeah. you know, and if it's something I would, I like fantasize about that I want to do to somebody or that happened to me, you know, just write down little things. And then when you sit down, collect them and put it together, I think kind of what I do. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, what just came to my mind is even the word erotic um, um, is a fusion of creativity and imagination with sexuality. And it's such a renewing energy, right? It, where mm, sex yeah. can be, you know, just the act of sex and that can get boring after a while, but here's like, you're fusing the creativity and um, story and uh, imagining different possibilities. And yes, I love this. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to start taking myself on dates like that and take myself to the bar and, and, and yeah, write. or to the park, you know, whatever is your thing to the beach. Yeah. I don't know what people do. <laughs> <laughs> what do people do? For me, it's airplane rides and cafes. Exactly. Exactly. I like it. Yeah. But I mean, listen, nature, whatever really, um, I think what makes you feel central is, is a good place to start. You know, I mean, I like silk, you know, whatever it's very, oh 
it's very cliche, but I like it on my skin, right? I like oil, these things, anything you can do for yourself. I like wine, um, but you don't have to drink it. <laughs> also, I think after two glasses of wine, the writing gets worse. Um, just as a, a little tip it. <laughs> it does. <laughs> One glass is okay. The second one, you're you're done for the night. Yeah. I think. And do my you experience. Have, do you have favorite uh, erotica artists or or authors? Like what what's inspired you? Yeah, God, there's there's quite a lot of people who write really cool stuff. I mean, if you if you do like classic stuff, it would be like Anisnin, you know, um, the D- Delta of Venus. Yeah. I think her diaries are still my favorite. Still. I Mine too. Better than her short stories, actually. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, um, I mean, she wrote those short stories for money and I think they were done well, but um, yeah, I like, I like her diaries better. They're more pure and more her. Um, what a woman. And then I think, I mean, listen, I think there's quite a lot of women who did cool stuff, you know, later on. I mean, anything from like, um, you know, the story of, oh, yeah, it's fun to read and it's like kind of scandalous, but not, you know, because it's older. <laughs> um, I like this book written on your skin, which Ooh. is a little bit more current. Um, let me look, though, because I forgot who the author is. That one. Yeah, I also love Henry Miller. I've always loved oh, the way yeah. that he writes. And I mean, there's such a cross with um, Anise Nin and and his work too. Um, he shows up in, in her, uh, diary. <laughs> yes. He Many times. He definitely yes. makes a strong appearance there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Henry Miller is wonderful. Uh, especially because it's animalistic, right. And has like this mm-hmm. like aspect to it. I think there, um, I mean, Emmanuel is wonderful. You know, if you want to mm-hmm. read more into that direction, you can read so many crazy books, really, in that sense. Mm. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of other writers, I guess, but <laughs> <laughs> that's why you wrote your own. Yeah, I get but, it. No, yeah. But no, but Pablo Neruda is a yes. wonderful um poet, actually, which yeah. I will never get close to his work, you know. <laughs> it's just so beautiful. And I don't yeah. know if you you could call some of it erotic, right? But also about love and mm relationships and just the sensuality of his writing is just so gorgeous oh he's my top he's one of my top hands down yes pretty wild this man's talents (laughs) (laughs) really do you see if your writing or how that's influenced your love life your Hmm. personal love life in in what way well, you just mentioned that you're in a relationship now. However, you started mm. writing this about five years ago, and I don't know if you were in a relationship then, but I, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, I can. <laughs> I can imagine this influencing, you know, how you saw yourself or how you saw other people, your sexual partners. How yeah, they saw you. Yeah, interesting. Yes, I mean, I think. It's this kind of back and forth, right? With the character and me. Mm. <laughs> I have never really said it this way, I think. She's mm. a part of me, right? And um, she's given me permission mm. to, to live that part of myself. And I'm so many other things as well, right? But 
she's quite a force and she kind of came to me in a time of need. I needed her to help me free myself and, um, you know, live that part of myself the way I always wanted to. So it really, it really changed me to be able to channel, you know, channel her, I guess. Oh, wow. (laughs) Oh my God. That makes so much sense. And it sounds like such a you know, I think of some of the singer artists on stage, you know, and they talk about taking on personas and embodying, mm, you know, a part yeah. of them um, and on stage that isn't necessarily them in day-to-day life. And it just makes me think of that, but it sounds like you've really integrated her into yourself. I think so. You know, I mean, not always and not all the time. Sure. Like <laughs> it would be quite a wild life if um, <laughs> I would be her 24 um, seven, <laughs> even more sex, but um, okay. She's ruthless. No, but uh, <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely integrated her to a certain degree. Yeah. I think, um, I think in the beginning too, it was very much about experimenting, you know, mm-hmm. um, and she helped me, but yeah, it's yeah, it's it is similar to what you explained, though. I think to have that persona that gives you permission and that you, yeah, channel your work through for sure. Yeah, yeah. So Instagram. Uh, before mm. I have <laughs> loaded <laughs> word, um, I've, got a, I've got a couple of questions uh, from my audience yeah. on Instagram at Sex Love Yoga. Uh, but as I even said the word, it, it, in my mind popped up this this statement or this question that I definitely want to ask. So I, I noticed uh, a while back that your account was taken down, and oh, yeah. I, <laughs> and nowadays it's it's like I, I was telling my uh, colleagues in the sex education world we laugh about it. We're like. Well, it's a rite of initiation that you're doing something right. <laughs> you're doing That's something so edgy. That's true. It's a good, good way of saying it. <laughs> but how do you, how do you navigate that the world of censorship as it exists in social media today? I have to say it's real rough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, because I think it forces artists to do a lot of things in a way that I wouldn't do it if I could work without censorship. Yeah. It also, I mean, devil's advocate, you know, makes one more creative because mm. you have to be more creative around the censorship. Yeah. It's pretty, um, pretty brutal though. I think I've been taken down. I don't even know anymore. Definitely deleted four times. I mean, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but really people are really like how do you get yours back I've been trying to get mine back (laughs) oh yeah a lot of work (laughs) a lot of wonderful fans though honestly and like followers writing in um I have a backup account and these people are just incredible they write to Instagram complaining or complaining talking about you know, how much my work means to them and has helped them. Um, and it's just really rewarding to see people stand up for your work and, um, you know, for them being, super, you know, so personal, I mean, people have found partners on my page, like it's real fun. Like, <laughs> so they're really invested and it's just incredible. So that part is actually rewarding whenever it happens, you know. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's difficult and you never know, right? Like it it could be 
next time that it's different, but I have changed my work because of it. And that's the only thing I, and I have created work that I don't post online, you know, mm-hmm. sure, like that. of course. And that goes into a book, right. Or yeah. into other content because you just can't live on a platform like Instagram. Yeah. It's very hard. Yeah. Uh, so questions from the audience. Yes. First, oh, I love those. First, I know me too. Uh, <laughs> first question. I'm so excited. <laughs> Okay. First question is, uh, your favorite sexiest city to write about, to write in, to put down the pen and just fuck in. Oh, wow. That, that sounds like a poem in and of itself. Wow. Totally. <laughs> Wait, is this all one city or this is, is this? I don't know. This is cities. one sentence. Yeah. <laughs> Three different cities, where to write, where to fuck. Um, oof. uh, Listen, where to write about? Yeah, I have a love affair with Rome. So it will, I mean, as cliche as it sounds, it's that city alone. You know, I could just like fuck the city. Like it's so romantic and so beautiful and so sexy there. And I don't even mean the people necessarily, it's just the whole atmosphere of the place, the food, everything to me specifically is so sexy and fantastical so all right i'm buying my plane ticket (laughs) (laughs) which one is yours (laughs) that's such a good question um yeah you know when i'm in tropical places Mm. like thailand i spend a lot of time in thailand um diving deeper into tantra this is when i in my 20s and i would write um i would sit out out uh by the beach and it would be completely silent and I'd be writing. And there's just something so luscious about the jungle. It's like wet mm-hmm. and there's, there's fruit and it's just so, uh, you know, the word, it's vibrant, but it's just like erotic, like this yeah. wildness. And uh, I went to my very first play party, um, uh, with tantric practitioners, which is super hot. Um, oh yeah, and- that sounds incredible. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely an erotic story about my experience in that, um, but they, it was just like, yeah, it was just juicy. Everything was juicy and luscious, and and just oh. So every time I go to the jungle, it's like that. I'm like, my hair is wild, my skin is amazing, I mm, feel turned that's on. True. Yeah, so that. I love that. Yeah. yeah, I'll buy my plane ticket to there now. To <laughs> <laughs> a tantric play party in Thailand, I think that sounds like <laughs> sounds like a plan. To be honest, we're gonna we're gonna send each other pictures and and tag each other in, in, on Instagram stories. <laughs> oh my god, I would Thinking love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> All right. Second question. Uh, what's your favorite movie sex scene? Ooh. Oh, the good one. The healthy answer or <laughs> the non-healthy answer, obviously. <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, I think shame is pretty cool. I, I like that movie a lot. I mean, not that it's necessarily such a turn on, but it's like, so, so dirty and bad. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's some good like female orgasm scenes, you know, in some movies like Black Swan. Yes. I was going to say Black, Black Swan. Yeah. Yes. That was so hot. That's so hot. Yeah, for sure. There was a show on Netflix. Did you watch 365? No. Oh, God. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. It's like 
<laughs> it's like Stockholm syndrome, like the, the woman's kidnapped and then she falls in love with the guy, but he, it's just like a raw fucking on a yacht. That's like, Oh, why not? Oh, I know. Right. <laughs> but it's, it's just, it's hard. And it's more like, um, that, you know, dominance kind of BDSM esque, but raw, hard fucking. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. That sounds good. That sounds yeah. very porny. I yeah, like it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sense eight, I guess for like group sex. Yes. Sense eight. Definitely. Another one, uh, off the top of my head atonement, there's a scene in the library where he takes her up against the books. I'm like, that's one of my fantasies is the library. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. That's a, that's a common fantasy actually the library. Yeah. Yeah, I, think it's I don't also know what because it is. It's, forbi- it's forbidden. It's like, you know, you should be quiet and like all of that, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, really good. that's such a good, and there's like an elegance to it. So it's almost like this, this ravaging the elegance of, uh, yeah, of a library yes. and like the, the smell of mahogany and old leather books. <laughs> that's a classy fuck. Is that what? <laughs> It is a classy fuck. That's for sure. <laughs> Laura, this is amazing. This whole conversation. I fucking like, like I said, I was waiting for this conversation with the right person and this is, you were it. So thank you so much for coming thank on. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was so great talking to you. Um, such an inspiration. Thanks for having yeah. me. Yeah. And how can people find out more about you? Where can they find their, your book? Oh yeah, please. Um, come find me on Instagram. I'm still at Tales of Laura. And then my website is talesoflaura.com. And the podcast is called Pussy Church. And it's on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, wherever you really, wherever you listen to podcasts, you should find and it's <laughs> And it's excellent. Like she gives the gospel for pussy and she just really- That is true. <laughs> you do, you do. And you hold the it confessions, down. Confessions, you know, you can like send in some questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I it's, it's so fun. I love theater. I love- taking on characters and you do such an excellent job across the board thank you very much well that was fun thanks for tuning in lovers and if you want to experience more ecstasy and sexual liberation head over to sexlovepsychedelics.com and learn about how you can join me for any one of my online or live events and while you're there Grab my free guide on sex and psychedelics. Remember, this podcast is for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please contact your healthcare provider and local law before pursuing any of the products or psychedelics discussed. And one final note here. I make this show specifically for you. If you're loving the show, then be sure to leave me a review in iTunes or Spotify to let me know. Happy to be here and happy to serve. I'll see you next time on Sex Love Psychedelics.